everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jordan Canellis. Jordan, it's great to have you back. It was great to have a full round of fixtures on the weekend as well, with action returning in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 and A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, and right across the board in our senior men's competitions, it was really fascinating weekend of footy. Yeah, it was. Thank you for having me again, Samuel. We, we returned to the uh, to the Northern Footy League this week in the afterglow of of the uh, fantastic rep win the week before, which is just phenomenal, and had a pleasure to watch that one on the uh, on the live stream. And um, yeah, I think off the back of that, we had a pretty good weekend of, of football around the grounds in all three divisions. There were some close results this weekend, and probably, especially for Division One, I, I think probably the closest round we've had across the board. Where the first five weeks of the season, we've we've been able to clearly see who the better teams are. Um, but this this week, the buck almost got. Tr- um, the, the trend almost got bucked. So there was, um, you know, there was a couple of lower placed teams who almost got wins against some of the, the top two or three teams and, and even further down into Division 2 and, and 3 as well, there were some close games which we'll talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an important factor to come out of the round is, as you say, some of them didn't quite get the wins, but just close the, the, gap, the gap between those top sides and the bottom as well, which is what you want to see. It can become a very long season if those top sides continue to dominate and right across the board there was some competitive results and some that blew out well in particular obviously Montmorency against Northcote Park actually it was a side in the bottom five downing a side in the top five as well so we'll certainly go through that throughout the course of this program there was some big wins in A plus Labor Solutions Division 2 most notably for mine probably the Fitzroy Stars they were were a side who went into the round probably with the most to lose had they lost that one potentially three games outside of the top four they had an important win against Whittlesey, and that could well start the, their run towards a charge at the finals. Yeah, just uh, probably just about the best result of the weekend out of all of those competitive matches. There were a couple of close misses in Divi 1, but I think Fitzroy Stars probably take the cake for this week in um, in Division 2 and, and across the whole league, for that matter, with that win against Whittlesey. I suppose questions also have to be put on Whittlesey coming down from Division 1. I know there was a bit of a clean-out. Some of the traditional leaders of the team who have been there for the best part of the last decade aren't there anymore. So they're going through a slight transition phase under a new coach at, at the Eagles. But for Fitzroy to get that home win, they had a few opportunities earlier in the season, especially at home where they could have had wins and they didn't take them. But this one against, uh, against the Eagles on the weekend was huge for the Fitzroy Stars to stay well within touching distance. They're into fifth now on the Division Two ladder and uh, to do it against a Whittlesea team who were, had only scored four goals up until three-quarter time. That's... That's quite a good result and, and probably quite poor from the Eagles' perspective. And into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, where the top two at the moment, Lorimer and Panton Hill, had wins. One was very convincing, the other one wasn't. Lorimer had the fright of a lifetime, actually trailed Reservoir in the final term. That was an undefeated side travelling to a side that hadn't had a win. It was very nearly... Uh, an historic win for Reservoir. Lorimer eventually was able to click into gear and, and come away with a win just shy of four goals. And conversely, Panton Hill, where they've jumped into the top two with a convincing victory over Heidelberg West. We'll go into that one more later, but Panton Hill really staking a claim in, in that twilight game at A.E. Cracknell Reserve. Absolutely. That's uh, an 86-point result there for the Redbacks against Heidelberg West, who are well in, uh, ensconced in the top three at the moment. Uh, I didn't think that game was going to reach that sort of margin. I was thinking it might have been a Panton Hill win by about two or three goals. Um, but to, to do it by 
by uh, whatever that is, 16 goals or 14 goals, that's uh, it's quite huge. <laughs> With, uh, I guess, the, the other, I guess, major talking point as we go back into Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 was obviously good to see some, some goal kickers in really good form as well. And, and one of those we'll uh, hear from in a few moments' time, Paddy Fitzgerald kicked 11. The goal scorers are back in vogue this year. We've seen a few bags right throughout the, the competitions and uh, we saw Ash Close kick eight earlier in the season. We talked about it actually on, on the program, how it was good right through all the senior divisions. We'd seen you know some, some you know, bags of goals kicked, which we love seeing at local footy. You don't see it so often in the top <laughs> flight anymore, but you come back to grassroots and you do see a bit. We've seen Josh Williamson kick a few bags in in uh, Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, so too Reese Boyden and, and Matty Byron, but it really was Paddy Fitzgerald's day. A week after kicking five in the rep game, bags a PB of 11 as he side downs Northcote Park at Montmorency Park. Yeah, I mean, the modern modern days, you know, get the spread of scorers and get goals from your midfield, but we've still got bags of goals flying in in, uh, in the Northern Footy Netball League. Even Shane Harvey had five, Sam Grimley had six, Oski Usel from midfield, there's a, a midfield scorer, had four goals for, uh, for the Roosters. But Paddy Fitzgerald, that's probably outside of just the pure results and the wins and losses, probably the story of the weekend, him scoring 11 goals. That's a huge bag and did it off the back of, uh, of a great performance for the rep side a couple of weeks ago now. Almost got the BOG, just um, edged out by Nick Riddle. But um, that's great for, for Paddy Fitzgerald. And you sort of look at that, um, that result for himself on the weekend, 11 goals, and you start to think he's... Paddy Fitzgerald, because sometimes, you know, a team like Montmorency, not always in the limelight. They've missed out on finals for a couple of years now, so we know they've got superstar players, but you don't always talk about them or you don't always think about them when they're not in the finals hunt. But really, when you stack it all up and you look up, put him up against the other key forwards in Divi 1, you'd probably say Paddy Fitzgerald is is comfortably the best key forward we've, we've got in the top flight. You could make a case for Close and Stasevich at the Cougars, but I reckon... Paddy Fitz is about the best. In terms of consistency, you can't go past him, and, and for longevity as well. I think you're right. As, as a key tall forward, I think you've got probably those who could could match him, you would argue, would be the two you've said, and, and potentially a, a Sam Grimley as well. Grimley was dominant in the second half as Heidelberg came from behind to beat West Preston Lakeside. But you look at the stats, and in a way, Fitzgerald... Is he underrated? Do we give him enough credit for what he's been able to produce? He's been in that senior side for the best part of a decade now, um, you know, 29 years of age, but his form's getting better with age. Mm. And if you, if you do a, an analysis of how he's gone year by year, he has won a Division One goal-kicking award, but he's had seasons where they've struggled in, in recent times, and he is the linchpin up forward. He's having to carry you know a lot of that at the moment with Ben Moulton not, not in the side as well. He kicked five in the win against McLeod, 11 now. I mean, obviously when he fires, it goes a long way to, to Montmorency winning, but this year, 21 goals in six games. Last year, 59 goals. The year prior, 47, 59, 51, 68, 57, 45. I mean, that's mm. a model of consistency as, uh, as we go back through the, through the years. So he had a personal best prior to this of eight, which he'd done three times, 11 on the weekend, all four of those halls, his best four all at Montmorency Park. So he certainly <laughs> loves playing at home, no doubt about that. Home ground hero, Paddy Fitzgerald. But it, it is funny, he is probably, even though he is the best key forward, he is probably underrated simply because of... The, the phenomenon that we've got in, in this league, especially where it's the mid-sized forwards who take the limelight. Guys like Shane Harvey, uh, Gary Moorcroft, Ahmed Saad, James Crusaratis in Divi 2, who's been in Divi 1 before. These these are the guys who are the X-Factor players and the game winners, and they're the ones that are the cult heroes at their own clubs. And 
strangely, the key forward who is traditionally through the, the annals of Aussie rules football history, they're the ones, they're the cult heroes and, and the ones that all the fans get around. But it's, it's, there's been a bit of a shift in, in, um, in our part of the world with, with the mid-sized forwards. But yeah, Paddy Fitzgerald, I think since Cameron Cloak uh, left Bundura and then went and played a couple, played around a couple of other different clubs and leagues and has come and gone, and we'll talk about him in a sec as well. But since he left, there wasn't that clear absolute power gorilla forward uh, in Division 1. But since then, we've you know, Paddy Fitzgerald's been that, that beacon of consistency. And then we've got the newer names like Stasevic and, and Close in the last two or three years. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point you, you raise. And, and, and certainly, you're right, for whatever reason, our top flight has it's been the smaller forwards who have generally you know, won those goal-kicking awards. Fitzgerald, the exception, when he took it out a, a couple of years ago. Just if We, we might just do an, an overview of, of the weekend that was mm-hmm. uh, in round six. Uh, obviously, as we said, the return uh, of the top flight after having a break over the rep weekend. Hurst Bridge really pushed North Heidel in a 13-15-93 to 16-15-111 result at Ben Freelay Oval. I reckon if you said at the start of the day to Hurstbridge, you finish within three goals. I reckon they'd just about take it. Obviously, you go out wanting to win every game, but to, the fact that they've you know not not had a blowout there, put in a good performance, they can build on that for, for weeks to come. McLeod scraped past Lowell Plenty. He had to uh, break away late five goals to two in the last quarter. The more fancied Ruse winning 11-8-74 to Lowell Plenty. Seven goals, 9-51. Greensborough in the match of the day. Well, they blew that one wide open in the second term and didn't look back thereafter. 15-17-107. Smashed Bandura 4-10-34. Montmorency with Paddy Fitzgerald kicking 11. We were 18-10-118, downing Northcote Park 9-11-65. That may be the biggest result of the round, given the potential ramifications. And Heidelberg came from behind, kicked nine goals to two after half-time to beat West Preston Lakeside by 23 points, 14-14-98 to 11-9-75. So they were the results. And we've gone through a few of the talking points there. Obviously, Greensboro is the side at the top, undefeated, six straight wins, and, and they sent a, another really big statement on the weekend. They went in, obviously, on top, playing against a side that was in the top five, and they were really dominant. The fact that at quarter time, kicking into a heavy wind, they were only five points down, mm. and thereafter, I mean, there was just no stopping them. And I guess one of the talking points is you look at that Greensboro side, and you see the real strength of them when you look at who's not playing at the moment, and their reserves haven't lost the game. You look at Tom Bell came straight in. We are judged in the Midas Greensboro player of the day. That's having not played for three weeks. But then go through the list. Tristan Steadwell, you can draw a line through him. He won't play the remainder of the year. He's gone overseas for work. But no Dan McClendon. Jacob Ireland finished second in the BNF last year. Yeah. He's playing <laughs> in the twos. Tom Brindley would probably play in any other senior team. Jacob Pickett was out, who's their first choice ruckman. Um, behind Liam Reid, who's played VFL footy, went down on the weekend in the first quarter. Um, you know, haven't seen stalwarts such as Jason Rogers and Lockie McQuilkin this year. Not sure if we will, but they've been squeezed out. But this side bats so deep. Yeah, uh, this they are the... They've got almost everything right this year, Greensboro. They are on top of the table. They've got a great defence. They've got a phenomenal midfield, a really hard-bodied, stocky midfield, which is so hard to break down. 
players who just stand up in tackles and, and continue to power forward. Um, the forward line is is a slightly different looking forward line. They don't have that key forward up in the uh, in the forward fifty like they have traditionally had in the past with the likes of Reese Boyd and and even you know going even further back Tim Bonjetti as well. There's no key forward there. Tynan Smith is that sort of tall forward, but he was actually really really quiet on the weekend. Yeah, and held goalless and they yeah. still kicked fifteen goals. Yeah, uh, and Andrew Stellis as well can kind of play that role as well. Um, the Rucks, they've got past that issue when Michael Hooper retired. They didn't have a, a big man to bring in, or the one they did have got injured in, in Jake McNamara, but they've got tools there now. And then they've got the depth. And um, and Greensboro have always been able to build that depth through through the under-19s and then having a good reserve side as well. And, yeah, looking at that list, there's probably about 30, 35 players who could have a genuine crack at being in that starting senior team. And I suppose the question is, from the team they had on the weekend, that's the last... Uh, example that we had, who would you take out of that team to bring in, or who would you bring in, or would you bring some of those names in, or not bring any of those names in that you listed out? Yeah, well, that, that's the the real challenge you have. I mean, the guys who've come in more recently are performing pretty well. James Love was good on the weekend. Um, Damon Markon's looked impressive in his two games since coming in, and generally it is a case of last in, first out. But those two have you know really um, put in claims to, to keep their senior spot. So. It's a headache for Mick Harford and his coaching staff, I'm sure, but it's mm-hmm. a good headache to have as opposed to looking for players to, to bring into the side or potentially bringing in players whose form doesn't warrant it. So good good issue for, for Greensboro to have this weekend. If we can quickly have a peek forward, they take on North Heidelberg. I think for mine, I know Heidelberg sits in second, but I think for mine, Heidelberg, uh, sorry, North Heidelberg and Greensboro at their best have performed better than anyone so far yeah. this year. They play each other at Shelley Reserve. I expect a massive crowd in. Unfortunately, weather doesn't look too great, but that is going to be an absolute belter of a contest. If you had to tip a winner, we are very early <laughs> in the week. We don't know what selected sides might look like. Which way would you be leaning there, keeping in mind doggies? I know they're third, but they are playing at home. Uh, yeah, look, North Heidelberg, I, I agree as well. Um, second best team, even though they're in third. I think they've just got a better and more well-rounded team, more experienced side as well than 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 the Heidelberg Tigers do. Um, who would I tip? Well, I, I've, I've stuck fat with Greensboro so far this season. They were my pre-season prediction. Um, I said I wouldn't waver from them about a fortnight ago when I was last on because why would you when they're travelling this well? So uh, I'll probably stick with Greensboro just to keep that consistency on my own my own part Samuel but uh, yeah I'd probably go with, with the Borough they've been really good but oh, it's like such a line ball who do you pick really well, they've been as, as good as each other as, as I said multiple times North's only loss was you know again they lost by four points had a shocking third term and mm. turned it around completely in, in the uh, fourth quarter you look at their last couple of wins obviously on the weekend against Hurstbridge, probably not as convincing as what they they were prior to the break where they had smashed both Northcote Park and Heidelberg who were undefeated going in. Mm. So they couldn't, you know, they couldn't probably be playing much better footy and, and Greensboro definitely couldn't be. I mean, they're, they're, as you say, you can't find a fault in their side. Their back line's holding up so well, impenetrable at times. Midfield is so strong-bodied and have the outside pace with Callaway and, and Haynes in good form. And then up forward, they've got so many avenues. So, yeah, we're going to know a lot more about the competition at, at 5 o'clock this coming Saturday, and that's the game, I think, yeah, with the result more so that everyone's going to be waiting on North Heidelberg and Greensboro. Are these two sides... Uh, more different from each other than they are similar or the other way around? Are they similar or different? It's interesting, actually, because I look at, one thing I'll say about both is that they 
uh, as much as they've got star power in the side, you look at they've got both got genuine match winners. I mean, Charlie Molyneux's been just at the form player of the comp. Tom Bell's come in for North Heidelberg. You've got Boomer and Shane Harvey, but they've got that much talent around them that even if one of those absolute stars doesn't play well, they've got enough to cover it. Yeah. You know, you've got Tardio, Biggs on one side. Harris has been great coming in, and then you know Greensboro. I mean, they're full back, or you know, centre half back in back pocket. What if you want to call him Nick Riddle? He plays everywhere. He's probably the best player in the competition. Just doesn't lose one on ones. He's coming out the back half of the ground, and often we look for match winners in the front half. Well, he wins games at the other end because he just yeah. he just can't score through him. So it, it it they both bat so deep, but it's it's a hard one to to really. I mean, they both don't rely on a, on a big key forward or anything like that. So I don't think there's too much contrasting play there. Um, they're both sides who like to get it in you know, low and hard to their forwards to give them an opportunity to play. Some other sides this year have changed some more possess- possession-based games, whereas um, these two for mine are a bit more direct in how they move the ball forward mm, without yeah. you know, that long high ball in, but low, low and hard. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, look forward to, to seeing how that one plays out. But it's it's one of five games this weekend for mine, which which is really important. The way the matchups have worked, sides are getting each other right at a time where they're at a, a crucial point in the year as well. Yeah, I was really impressed by by Greensboro on the weekend. Just to stick with them for another minute, um, even though it was a one sided game, that was our our call game on the radio. It was still fun to watch in a way, even though it was a blowout because they were just that impressive to watch Greensboro. And it was, as you said, it was some of those. You know, even though the star, absolute star players... I mean, actually, some of those star players did have great games. Tom Bell, as we said, we gave him the best on ground. But it was players from the bottom six or the bottom ten who really impressed me. Someone like, like John Desmond, I thought was phenomenal. He's, he's, beca- he's, he's in Greensboro's top five in the BNF right now. Yeah. Absolutely no doubt. He was fantastic. I thought McIver Clark across halfback, one of the best uh, sweeping up, mopping up halfbacks uh, that I've probably seen in you know, an individual performance on the weekend. He was great. Um, and then and then Brody Tickle, I sung his praises on the on the call as well. But he for me he's uh, we speak about mid sized forwards in in this division. He might not yet be at the level of of Shane Harvey or or Gaz, but for me he's one of the un, the most underrated players, mid sized forward line players going around because he he's so strong underneath the high ball and he knows how to score a goal and, and scored three on the weekend. He's just a consistent performer. I think he's leading their scoring now as well, Brody Tickle. So. Underrated player and and another one of those those youngsters that are stepping up. Yeah, has their most goals with eleven. Uh, he passed Andrew Stellis, who's on ten. So um, that was obviously well. That one is going to be a big one. If we just look forward to the games at hand, and then we can analyse what's happened the weekend prior. But this weekend we've got North Heidelberg Greensboro, which has third versus first. We've got sixth hosting fifth, where Montmorency is again at Montmorency Park taking on Bandura. The Magpies want to keep building their credentials. They had a great win at the weekend, but they were responding to a terrible loss to Heidelberg a week prior. Bandura's now dropped its pass too and just has to win. A loss will see them go outside the top five. West Preston Lakeside at home to Lowell Plenty. That's a massive Gee. one. The Roosters still without a win. Lowell Plenty is just one win above them, one and five. Lower loses that one, they're likely going to be bottom of the table, depending on what happens with Hurst Bridge. I guess percentage plays a big part. But for the Roosters, Norton 6, they obviously just want to open their account and get off the bottom of the table first and foremost, and then worry about things from there. And then you look at the other two games, they're also <laughs> really important. Bill Laurie Oval, Northcote Park's had two stinkers in a row. Started the year with four impressive wins. Haven't been near it the last two weeks. They host Heidelberg, who's humming along nicely and just has to keep winning you know, to, to secure that top three spot. If they do that in the weekend, get a win, they're potentially, well, they are going to be two games clear inside the top three and going to give themselves a really good crack at it at the pointy end. And then you've got Hurstbridge 
and McLeod playing at, at Ben Freelay Oval. Hurstbridge won in round five, took it up to North Heidelberg at the weekend, and McLeod, well, they've won the last two, a win this weekend, and they're potentially, well, they're knocking on the door of yeah. the top five after starting the year, Norton Four. So how's that for your weekend of footy in Meadows Greyhounds Division One? You've got... 1v3, although the third place team we believe is the second best team in the competition, you've got 3v4, uh, 5v6, 7v8, and 9v10 mm. all the way through. So, so tell me the, no <laughs> game, uh, tell me the game that doesn't matter this weekend. Yeah, exactly. You can't. Uh, there's, ram- there's heavy ramifications on every match. Uh, you know, West Preston Lakeside still looking for that first win. They almost got it uh, on the weekend against Heidelberg. But, um, that, that's their, be- their it, most disappointing loss because of the position they were in but their best performance. I think yeah. they, they, you, when you're Norton 5, you're looking for signs. They were, they were in front by you know close to four goals during the third term. Heidelberg overran them. Heidelberg's been great at home. They went in with a... It was a crazy record going into last week's game. I think their average winning margin at games at Warringal Park... I'm going to just shoot for the number here. About 80 points going into that game. Wow. And West Preston Lakeside was... I mean, they are the reigning premier, so we shouldn't talk about them as, as the massive underdog, but they needed to turn things around, and, and maybe that's the one that just starts to, to you know, just change how, how, they've been going, how they've been going so far this year. So um, disappointing not to win. 79 points was the average winning margin for Heidelberg, the three games that had at Warringal, but there's some, some signs there. They didn't have Sam Glover, the Roosters. He was on um, VFL duty. They also lost Michael Ercolano from the week prior. Did get two premiership players back in, though. Joel McDonald played his first game of the season, and, uh, and they also got... Well, actually, I shouldn't say two premiership players. They got Matt Signorello come in and played his first game, the former Adelaide Crows-listed midfielder as well. So lost two premiership players, got one in in McDonald and produced a, a performance which I think they can build on. So now this weekend, well, both they and Lowell plenty know the equation, don't they? It's pretty simple. Mm. That this is this is a massive game for both sides. Um, on form, I mean, Lowell plenty didn't didn't do themselves any harm at McLeod. They were in that game all the way at the Witten Park, faded late, and, and it was good to see Tom Keyes back on the field after injuring his knee in round one. So. He was one of probably a couple of key ins for sides at the bottom end of the ladder at the weekend. We talked about Signorello and McDonald coming in for West Preston. Um, Keys back for Lowell Plenty. And then you mentioned Cameron Cloak from the outset. He came in at Hurst Bridge. McLeod likely to get Brad Leggett back this week as well. Those sides in the bottom half of the ladder, they're just suddenly there's a bit of optimism and, and some reason for them to, to think there's light at the end of the tunnel, albeit. Maybe McLeod not quite in that mix, given the fact that they are knocking on the door of the top five at the moment. Yeah, yeah. There's and this is sort of going back, I think, to the theme of of the preseason. In that, um, this is one of the closest years we think in Division One. We've got we've got teams right from one to ten who are competitive, and when you add, as you said, as you you know, you add those key players back into the sides of Lowell Plenty and Hurst Bridge, that makes them even more of a threat. Um, there are, yeah, this is it's a it's a fantastic season for for Division One, and and there are stories that I think are still going to develop from here. I don't think we're we're quite done yet with West Preston Lakeside. I think I think the main story of their season is still to be told, and and McLeod as well. They're in in seventh at the moment. Bandura that loss on the weekend hurts them. It hurts their percentage. They're four points behind Northcote Park, but they're effectively two games because of that huge gap in percentage. It's uh, one. 
10 Northgate Park down to 93% in Bandura, so you effectively have to win twice. Um, if they lose again on the weekend uh, playing Montmorency, Montmorency have the home fixture, and McLeod uh, beats Hurst Bridge, and Hurst Bridge have the home fixture. Well, I think McLeod... I'm not quite sure about Montmorency, but I think McLeod... This this is the point that you made, uh, I think, two weeks ago. McLeod are the team who could take over whoever's left on the fringe of the top five. They yeah. are, they are, they're the one to look out for. Mont, we, we weren't sure of them based on the loss at Heidelberg. 20, 21 goals. Also, yeah, there mm. was a terrible effort from them the week prior, but they, they won back some, some fans on the weekend as well. So they show that their best is good enough. Didn't have some good players still. We mentioned no Ben Walton. Steve McCallum didn't play either. So they've got some good ones coming back in. So, But for them now, they they can't have another blowout somewhere down the line because they've shown that their best can beat good sides. So they, they get no excuses now performing like that. So it is a massive weekend. I think what makes it even more of an intrigue is is the fact that the, after this week, we've got five big fixtures. You have that final break of the year. It's a stop-start you know, beginning to the season. Obviously, Queen's birthday comes in as well. But, um, you know, the it's a big weekend because I don't think you want to go into that last break before we get into that long stretch of 10 games off a loss. So it's, yeah. a, it's a massive weekend. We're looking forward to what's to come. And now we've been singing his praises throughout the opening 20-odd minutes of the podcast, but we're going to have a chat with the man of the weekend, Paddy Fitzgerald, fresh off his 11-goal haul against Northcote Park. Here is the superstar, Montmorency forward. Paddy, thank you for joining us. A career-best effort on Saturday in the win over Northcote Park. One of those days where everything just goes your way. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, the ball bounces your way. You kick a few early and uh, you start getting a bit of confidence. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, being a full forward, uh, you're pretty reliant on the ball coming down and coming in um, where you can mark it. So uh, I've got to thank the midfielders and all the all the boys up the ground for uh, all the hard work they did. Being being modest early, mate, you had five at quarter time, five of y- your sides, five. When is it uh, in the day that you start to think, well, gee, things are really going your way uh, on the afternoon? Uh, yeah, pretty early. Um, I think, you know, obviously having five at uh, quarter, quarter time, you're pretty confident and you're coming in and, um, you know, we, we started really well. We were actually kicking against the breeze in the first quarter, so uh, there was a little you know, probably a couple of gold breeze going down Northcote then, and we, we went in in front at quarter time, which was a really big effort. Um, and you sort of start to think, well, maybe it's our day today. Um, but obviously, you've got to keep your head down and just keep going on with what you were doing in that first quarter. With uh, the, the effort itself, your, your previous best was eight goals, which you, you'd done three times, one of which was actually against Northcote Park, also at uh, at your home ground at Mott Park. But uh, once you, you've got those five, I mean, is there yeah, is there a message that comes out to, to the other forwards to, I guess, clear space for yourself, obviously, um, to, to try and isolate one, one-on-one opportunities? Um, yeah, a little bit. I think the whole focus of the day was uh, was trying to get it, the ball really nice and deep. Uh, I think we, we sort of re- worked out against Holderberg and in some of our other more disappointing performances, we sort of fell down around half-forward and we've let them really rebound from half-forward. So... The focus was uh, to really get the ball in nice and deep, and and try and you know help our defenders out by them being able to um, you know we could get the ball deep. The deeper we get it, the less they, they sort of have to defend. So that was sort of the idea. Um, so yeah, that just worked to my advantage really. In terms of, I mean, I mentioned your previous best was eight, and, and we all know that forwards uh, are probably uh, conscious of, of records and whatnot, but obviously nine was, was your PB, and then obviously everyone wants to get to ten once you've got that many as well. Was it something that was conscious in your mind as, uh, as you were racking up those goals? 
Oh, you, you try not to think about it. Um, I think the more the more you try and think about it, you, you sort of mozzy stuff a little bit. When I was lining up for my ten, I actually stubbed my ten. So I actually stubbed my toe and didn't make the distance. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the more that stuff gets in your head, you try and block it out and just um, stay as better as possible and you know not not really think about it too much. But I'd be lying if I said I was a little bit nervous lining up for the tenth. Obviously, as I stubbed my toe, but. Uh, Luckily enough, I was able to play on and kick one in the goal square to get my tenth. So that was uh, that was pretty easy. And then add eleven for a cherry on top. Obviously, uh, the, your performances going into I guess this weekend's games. I think you had um, ten goals in the opening five rounds, and, and then you had a, a really really good day in the representative win as well. You kicked five and, and were among the the best players on the ground in that win up at Geelong. How important was that game for you to just I guess recapture your absolute best form and, and take that confidence into the weekend's game? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that, that was a really big part of it to, to sort of have a, you know, that whole week um, after we lost to Heidelberg, everything was looking pretty grim. We only kicked two goals for, for the day. Um, to have that week and, you know, be around and training with the elite footballers in the in the competition and, and playing with them and on a beautiful day out at Geelong with lots of space um, and, you know, some pretty good ball coming in, that definitely helped the confidence out and probably translated that into this week as well. How have you found your form over, I guess, the, the entire of the year now? 21 goals in, in six games? Yeah, um, uh, up and down. Um, I think probably uh, more, pretty much in line with how, how the team's performance is, really. Um, there was a few, uh, a few games where I've uh, played all right and competed pretty hard, and then a few more disappointing, a few quieter games in there as well. So just really trying to work on that... Uh, on that form and trying trying to get it as consistent as possible. You, you mentioned just a few moments ago, obviously the disappointing loss out at Heidelberg in round five. As you say, only the two goals and end up losing by you know a triple digit margin. How much focus went into I guess the weekend's game in terms of bouncing back and, and actually you know, getting pride back in that performance and, and in the end getting yeah, a really no. good win. Yeah, there's a re- really really strong focus. Um, you know, we, we we looked at it all week and. You know, some some people will tell you, oh, just forget about it, don't worry about it. But we really looked into it and looked closely into some areas that we really needed to improve on. But a lot of, you know, a lot of the review came back to effort. Um, we got challenged as a whole team to, you know, really have that fire in the belly and, and come out really hard and, and provide a really strong contest, which we did, which was really, really good. And we put in a four-quarter four performance, which is probably the first time for the whole year, which is um, something really pleasing, but hopefully... That's not just a one-off. That's something that just becomes the normal now, and we can move on from there. We're now having beaten a side that's in the top five. Did that make it even more pleasing? Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it makes it a lot more pleasing, and you know, for a lot of the younger guys, we've, we've still got a, a lot of younger kids playing in the team. For them to have that belief now that um, we can sort of match it with the better teams in the competition, and um, our best is good enough to compete, um, that'll be something that's going to be a real positive moving forward now. You've obviously been part of the furniture at Montmorency for, for quite some time. Obviously, there's been a, a bit of a change over the summer. Uh, obviously, Ben Haynes, um, the departing coach, and, and Gary Ramsey coming in. As someone who's been around for a while and now leading that next generation, how has it been over the past eight or so months since Gary's taken the reins as coach? Yeah, it's been been really, really good. Um, I think it was really probably more important to get someone who wasn't involved at Montmorency already. A lot of my coaches... Um, throughout the time I've already been at Monty or played at Monty. Um, so it was good to get sort of an outside perspective. Um, and obviously Gary has such a great um, pedigree. He's won premierships before um, and he's really got a strong belief in his pr- structures and his processes. So um, 
it's been really good for our younger guys, but really good for everyone to see Gary come in with his, um, you know, his structures and his new new outlooks and um, working on them. You've obviously been previously part of sides that have had, you know, haven't had the ultimate success, but have been successful in their own right, making grand finals and, and prelims and, and whatnot. Do you, do you see the talent coming through at the moment as, as being able to, you know, capable of, of taking you down and, and back deep into finals down the track as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you look at the Montmorency juniors, junior sides, um, they're probably one of the, the strongest junior outfits uh, in the in the competition in the league with numbers. And um, you know, last year I think they probably had about seven or eight teams in grand finals, which is really good for us looking forward into the future. And I think you know, way back in the past when I first came down to Montmorency, we were sort of looking outside to get to get recruits and that sort of thing. But I think. Over the last four or five years, we've had a really strong focus on uh, locking in and getting a really good relationship with our juniors and making sure that you know we, we can really get into the talent pool there and make it more of a family cup, more of a family friendly club and that sort of stuff, which has been really good. And one last one, mate. Obviously, another big one coming up this weekend. You take on Bandura, who currently sit just above you on the ladder. You're obviously in sixth. They're in fifth. Obviously, it's a, a big game for you. A win could potentially take you inside the top five for, I think, what might be the first time this season. Uh, yeah, it might be the first time for a while. We might be in the first five, if, if that was the case. But, um, no, I think every game is super important this year. I think uh, the league... This year is going to be really tight um, and, and really close and really hard fought. So uh, you can't rest in any game. And I think every week you've you got to come to play and come with that mentality that anyone can beat anyone on any given day. So uh, I think every game is going to be a tough game from now on. Do you tell all the others to clear the space for you this week and, and just make sure you, you keep those goal-kicking records up as well? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just happy to get the win. So um, you know, hopefully we can get Benny Walton back soon and get him kicking goals and firing and uh, uh, Lockie O'Brien's been playing really well at the moment too so I'm just happy as long as we're winning I don't, I don't really mind uh, who's kicking the goals as long as we're winning. Well Paddy amazing effort on the weekend, 11 goals it's been uh, some time since we've seen that many kicked in a, in a Division 1 game in the Northern Footy Netball League so well done and, and congratulations on the win, all the best going into this week's game against Bandura as well uh, No worries, thanks Sam Great to hear from Paddy Fitzgerald right after his 11-goal haul in the weekend's win over Northcote Park. Now we move into A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 where Jordan Canellis, we still have the standalone side at the top in Banyul, but they'll have their credentials tested once again this weekend. They've got Thomastown coming up. That's certainly going to be the biggest game in the division this coming weekend. But as we look at the results from the previous round... Banyul, well, we expected them to beat Diamond Creek, perhaps not as convincingly. Altham produced arguably its best performance of the season to, to really down Watsonia comprehensively. Thomastown had another win, albeit Epping took it up to them, and, and that probably leaves the game at the bottom. Fitzroy Stars and, and Whittlesey is, I guess, the one that really is the most noteworthy out of the weekend. We talked about it at the top of the program. The Stars just simply had to win to stay in touch with the top four. They've done that, and... They look a real threat for, for all those sides currently inside the top four. The Stars, when they play their best footy, they're proving themselves very capable. They've beaten now Whittlesey and Altham from their two wins, and they've shown at their best they can probably topple anyone in that in that grade. Yeah, I think the win on the weekend for the Fitzroy Stars did would have done a lot for themselves. It would have been a, a, a reassuring and a self-assuring win that they do have the ability after... 
a year or two in the wilderness and having lost a couple of players. They've regained a lot of those players again this season, a lot of a lot of returning names uh, for the Stars. And then to do it against Whittlesea, who uh, traditionally have been the the biggest team in Division 2 when they, when they haven't been in um, Division 1. They've gone up and down a couple of times. But to do it against them... Um, is that's a huge result. It's it was a low scoring game, seventy nine to forty eight, but but they had that margin in the second half, and they really um, they were easily the best team in in the second half of the game. They were trailing by two points at halftime, and then scored what's that eight goals to three in the second half, which is uh, it's a fantastic goal scoring performance from them. And um, they sit fifth now, and right on the brink of of uh, of that. Well. I say on the brink, although there is a bit of a gap with with points and percentage to the top four. Um, but if they if they can keep on keeping on and and use this results as a springboard, uh, who knows how far they can go? They might be able to squeeze in by season's end. Yeah, they had some you know, really good players in good form at the weekend. Kane Proctor's been great for them coming in and uh, or back into the side, leading leading them this year as well. Um, fullback. Josh Savica, he's been one that's been out in recent weeks and he came back. He was one they probably couldn't afford to have out against Banyul that week prior. So he was back in the side, had an impact and, and Cam Hall also played pretty well. It's obviously a, a massive weekend right across the, the AFL. Obviously, they celebrated Sir Douglas Nichols round. We'll do that later in the year at, at NADOC week. But obviously, it was a significant round for um, you know the entire Indigenous community as well. I know I've, I've read an article that Hayden Hedder, the coach of, of the Stars, mentioned that they did talk about that in the lead-up as well, wanted to have a really positive performance and certainly did that. And another thing he alluded to is, is what we've said about, you know, if they had a loss, it's a long road back to, to get in contention. So they were... The the round's best or biggest winner in, 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 I guess, what that game actually meant. But you look at the ladder right now, as it stands, you've got Banyol on top. They play, actually, Thomastown this week, so the top two play each other. But Banyol's top five straight wins. Thomastown's at five and one in second. And then you've got Altham, four wins, two losses, third. Whittlesey now in fourth. They're three and two, and the Stars are two and three. So percentage certainly favours Whittlesey in fourth, 121. The Stars are at 94. And then you've got Diamond Creek and Watsonia also on eight points. Diamond Creek's already played the six games. It gets very confusing because of obviously the fact there's buyers involved, but both Diamond Creek and Watsonia, if they any chance, have to bolster the percentage and just get back to, to winning ways. They've both now developed losing streaks at, at three consecutive wins. I think going into the year, the current top six as it stands, we all thought six of those were trying to squeeze into four spots. It's proving that way. If you had to look at it right now, it's hard to go past the stars as being the most likely to, to push in if, if if there are to be any changes. Absolutely. I think the, the ladder that we've got at the moment in Divi 2 is probably the most accurate representation of where we thought these teams would be. Um, you could maybe argue that the order of the top four might have shuffled around a bit. I don't think we would have had Whittlesey down in fourth. Um, but it, it is that top four regardless. Those four teams are the ones that we all had... Uh, earmarked in, in pre-season and, and then Fitzroy just off the back of that as well in fifth. Um, Watsonia started the season really well but they had beaten the teams uh, near the bottom of the ladder so they've they've fallen away a little bit down the bottom um, and then and then Diamond Creek they're the they're the disappointing one because we always expect a bit from Diamond Creek we always the last three years has been the questions of you know do they get back this season? Okay, do they get back this season? Do they get back this season? And, and, and in 2019, they're not, 
They're not getting back to that top four. Yeah, they've got... I mean, it's a significant injury list that they're, they've got at the moment. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, no Josh Marchbank, which was spoken about, you know, throughout the, the, the course of... Uh, of the year, a few of their recruits have haven't been able to get on the park, so it, it certainly has hurt them. But you look through, they on the weekend they got Hugh Cavanagh and Nathan Searle back in the side. Jacob Booth, a genuine star of the competition. Uh, Tyler Barnes, a great great player. Jai Norman, Bryce Adams. So they've got some real talent still out out there as well. So to be disappointed with how far away they finished from Banyul. I mean. 22 goals to 8. It was a, a loss by 88 points. And I think that even with the players they have out, they'd be disappointed to, to, as I said, not get closer. And all of a sudden, they're not quite in free fall, but it's getting to the point now. This weekend, they take on St. Mary's at Coventry Oval. They've lost their past three, four of the last five, with the only win being against the winless Epping. This weekend, they, they just have to win. It's simple as that. Yeah. And, and St. Mary's will... They may be a little bit sluggish. They're coming off a two-week break. They had a, a win in their last start, beat Epping by 31 points. Rep break followed by the bye. Not ideal as they look to build momentum, but they've had plenty of time to prepare for the Creekers. That's the, the other side of the coin. Yeah, and this could potentially be a danger game for St. Mary's because we still, we're getting a gauge on St. Mary's and, and what they're like as a team in Division 2. We, we're still learning a bit about them. Uh, obviously, we know a lot from from how they've been in Divi Three, but it's a new uh, new playing field this year. Um, so coming off that win, yeah, the break doesn't help, but it is a danger game for for Diamond Creek this one here. Um, and um, yes, I don't know Diamond Creek. I mean, is it the gap in Division Two at the moment? Do you think it's the most pronounced gap that we've got um, across all three divisions so far? Yeah, it's. You look at there's been some some heavy losses across the board. I think I think there's doubting that. As I said, the the, the good news story early was was Watsonia. I think at the start of the year I I thought it'd be you know the top six and then the next three and it's starting to develop that way. And then all of a sudden Diamond Creek's just the one that's precariously placed. Where are they? Are they closer to the bottom three, or than, than they are to I guess the five above them? Or, yeah. It's hard to judge because they haven't had their best side in the park really all year. But you, you feel that. In coming weeks, I mean, this one, this week, they're going to go in as favourite. I know they're not playing great footy, but they are going to go in as favourite against St Mary's. But it's the weeks thereafter that are going to be, you know, almost more important to, to show, can they really match it with the best sides? You look at their recent record, lost to Banyul, lost to Altham, lost to Thomastown, and lost to Whittlesea, albeit to Whittlesea by four points. So they lost to the four sides that are in the top four at the moment. Um, their next two weeks see them play well. Obviously, St Mary's this week, and then Watsonia. They have to simply win those two, and then they get yeah, that really tough stretch again, where they've got three of the four at home, but they've got the Stars, Whittlesey, Altham, Banyul, and that's going to be the four weeks that, for mine, decide their season. But what they can't afford is a lapse this week. St Mary's, as I said, they'll take a bit more hope, given the fact they've opened their account this year. Looking at just some of the other games that were played over the weekend as well, Epping, you have to give them credit. They really pushed Thomastown and, and lost that one by 26 points, but I think most would have expected Thomastown to win by a bigger winning margin. And then in the other game, Altham dominant after half-time, particularly in the last quarter when they kicked 11 goals to four, but after half-time, 16 goals 2-4 after leading by only 17 points. There's starting to just get a, a few key players back into that lineup. Uh, Altham, they've lost so many early in the year, but including 
I guess uh, Lewis Glasgow who went down in the loss in the win, sorry to Diamond Creek, but they got some good runs back at the weekend, and it was good to see Tim Curry back out there, had an immediate impact on the scoreboard. He kicked three goals, but they also got uh, Darcy Valance back. Brendan O'Sullivan played on the weekend, and you look at when their best players are firing, they're a side that um, yeah they haven't maybe quite hit the straps and all the heights of, of last year, but when you see the likes of McAffer and Woods still. Tim Curry, all amongst the best players. Gee, yeah. they've got some talent in that side. And their midfield, when you look at it on paper, is really Division One quality. It is, yeah. Uh, and we all, I think last year, no disrespect to Lowell Plenty, we all thought Eltham would be the team that would get promoted. Still might be the case this year, but there's, it uh, looks like there's a lot more tougher competition above them. But yeah, we are seeing, we're seeing the names come back in and we're seeing um, the, the full or near the full potential of, of what this Panthers outfit can do. Uh, that was always the, the caveat on the start of their season was that they didn't have a good handful of, of their players in. So the results that we were seeing probably wasn't a true reflection of, of how Eltham could play. Now those players are starting to come back in and they're having uh, output on the scoreboard with Tim Curry scoring the three goals. Um, Michael still now getting a bit more involved in, in the scoreboard as well. He had three goals. He could have more as well. Had plenty of shots on the weekend. Took some towering marks as well. So three maybe was, was unders given the performance that he that he produced. They've actually got the, the bye, though, this week. So they've, got the, they've started to just get a, a run of, of wins together. they got the bye, which leads into Queen's birthday. As we say, not ideal, unfortunately. When you've got a 19-comp, that's going to happen. And yeah. there's going to be a side on, on the backside of, of the long weekend that's going to have a, a second break as well. So they've got the bye. Looking at the other games, you've got Whittlesey-Watsonia. You think Whittlesey's favourite, but their last two results, I mean, scraped past St Mary's, an inaccurate St Mary's, and then lost to the Stars. So... For Watsonia, perhaps you give them a glimmer of hope. It is their first trek to the showground since winning the 2016 flag. Obviously, mm. Whittlesey was in Division 1 in, in the past couple of years when Watsonia has returned. Eppings at home to the Fitzroy Stars. Well, we talked about Diamond Creek. Could it afford to slip up? Stars are in the same boat. They haven't won consecutive games yet this year. It must do that. Diamond Creek at home to St Mary's at Coventry Oval. But the big one is at Beverly Road Oval. There's no doubt about it. It's Banyul against Thomastown. Two sides in great form. Both won five in a row. Obviously, Banyul had the buy in round one. Thomastown lost, the disappointing loss to Altham. So they are the two form sides in the competition. There's going to be some great matchups right around the ground. I'm looking forward to the tussle and the ruck. Tim Martin up against Dylan Chapman. It could decide the result in a way. Both midfields in good form. And um, we're about to have a chat with uh, the coach of the Thomastown Footy Club, Ben Chapman. But I reckon it's a game that both sides are really going to be priming themselves for. Absolutely, yeah. This this could be a uh, this could be a telling game at, at this stage of the season to see. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Banyul live. We, we saw them towards the end of last season, um, but they've they've had a couple of key inclusions since then. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the side goes now with with some of those names in and Thomastown. Thomastown is they're a team that I've always been a fan of, and I'm glad that they're really hitting their straps now because their team is. I've always liked the the shape of their side, the players they've had in there. They've got some good goal scoring midfielders. James Rizzolio is having a fantastic season so far this year, um, and and they were you, you had to sympathise with them a little bit because they were they missed finals for three years in a row, all by percentage, and then they scraped in last year, and, and now this year they're finally uh, they've got a fistful of um, of Division Two's uh, the scruff of the neck, and they're and they're really uh, they're they're playing the way that they've been hoping that they've been they should have been playing for the last three or four years but they're doing it now this year finally they're fulfilling that role they're fulfilling that destiny I suppose without putting undue pressure on them I feel like this game is more important 
to them than it is Banyul. Banyul's proven themselves already. They've beaten some, some really good sides along the way. We know, I mean, we talked about the, the star quality they've had in the team in, in last year. Chris Aradis hasn't played since Anzac Day, and they're still romping to victory. Yeah. Shows how good they're going. I mean, Stanton's on fire. Jack Langford, another five at the weekend. They've got players who, if they lose this weekend, I think they've, they know how to win games of footy. I don't think it affects them as much. I think Thomas Town will... If they were to drop these to get a tough run of games that follow as well, not going to be panic stations, of course. If they were to drop a game, go 5-2, it's still a great start. But I just think that they have to really put in a, a sharp performance and show that they can push Banyul. Because if if they don't, well, who actually can? I mean, Banyul's yeah. <laughs> beaten Altham convincingly, albeit Altham had some players out. I mean, dominant in every other game. Haven't played Whittlesey just yet. But if they were to roll through this one here... Um, very early in the season, but there would there'd be a sizable gap at the top. So let's see if, for I guess the sake of the other competitors in A plus Labor Solutions Division Two, let's see if someone can take it up to the Bears. Albeit it might be the other Bears. Yeah, the Bears versus the Bears. What do you think the masses think? What do you think the Do you reckon the people think that Banyul will will coast this one in, or do you reckon there's a genuine feel that Thomastown can actually take it right up? Not sure on that one. I think the general feel is though that that. Banyul is is the red hot favourite to go all the way this year. Yeah, for mine it's very early in the year, but I think you, you talk, you hear the talk around, and and I mean they've been dominant, and it's not just the fact they're five and zip, it's it's how they're winning their games. And as I said, you look at what they've been able to produce in recent weeks with dominant wins over the Stars and Diamond Creek, albeit both those opposition may say that they've been undermanned. But as I said, put Chris Aratus back in that lineup and. Gee, if they're scoring well without him, imagine what they're going to do with him in the side. And um, yeah, for mine, I mean, that they are—they couldn't have been more impressive so far. Just a quick one before we hear from uh, from Ben Chapman. I just we we quickly skinned past that Epping v Fitzroy Stars game, but Epping versus Fitzroy Stars at Epping Recreation Reserve—it almost triggered something in the back of my mind. You and I and, and the rest of the commentary team, we've had plenty of uh, of great moments down at Epping Rec Reserve between these two sides in the past, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. When we go back when, when Epping was, was a dominant side in, in second division as well, and um, you know, th- these two sides played some, some big games of footy as well, and um, yeah, it's this one to be at the back oval. They're doing some renos on the uh, on the, the main oval or some uh, refurbishment, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's, it should be interesting that the... The Blues will, they'd be buoyed. They'd probably put their best performance of the season in on the weekend. It's about bringing that game. I mean, we, we bring him up every week, but Lee Judd is having a yeah. dominant season in a side that hasn't won a game. I mean, he'd be a lock for the team of the year at the moment, yeah. and he's a chance to potentially you know, be in you know, BNF contention and, and coaches MVP contention as well in a side that hasn't won a game of footy. I mean, he's been outstanding, but they just need a few more to, to, to go with him as well. Obviously, they don't have quite the depth of talent that some of their opposition does this year. Um, so for them, it just means that their, their effort has to be there every single week because obviously that they've got to make up for, I guess, the gap in, in class that, that, that might otherwise emerge. So that is a big one. Uh, there's uh, Certainly the, the biggest one, though, is, is taking place at Beverly Road Oval where Thomastown travels to take on Banyul. And we caught up with the coach of the Thomastown Football Club, Ben Chapman. Ben, thank you for joining us. Your side's won its past five games in a row, sitting second on the ladder in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. Imagine the uh, the feeling around camp must be pretty good at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Yeah, it is. So naturally, it's always a, a good place to be when you're winning games of footy. So, um, yeah, at the moment, we're, we're going okay, obviously. 
massive test this week, which we're really looking forward to. Absolutely. It doesn't get any tougher than the task that is before you this weekend. You travel over to um, Beverly Road Oval. You take on the undefeated Banyol Footy Club. It is 1v2. I'd imagine it's a pretty big week for, for your club going into that one. Yeah, it is definitely. Um, we're, we're really excited by it, to be honest. Um, this is what you play footy for, you know, to be involved in big games and, and games that can really set your season up. So, um, you know, we've been looking forward to to the opportunity to play them. Obviously, their form's been fantastic. You know, they're the benchmark of the competition. So, uh, for us, mate, yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to to getting in, see where we where we're at, and um, you know where we fit into the scheme of things. So, yeah, no, it's pretty exciting around the club this week. So, what is it about Banyol you think that uh, at the moment has set them apart from the the chasing pack in, in the first six weeks or so? I think it's just an outside looking in. They they appear to get good even spread, so they don't have a heavy reliance on on one certain player or a couple of certain players. They seem to have a lot of blokes that play their role pretty well, and they they get even contributions. So I think that's what makes them so dangerous. Their ball movements, you know, fairly slick and and pretty fast. So that's something that we'll have to obviously try and combat on the weekend. But um, Something we're looking forward to uh, seeing whether we can or not. Uh, with your own club, five wins on the trot. Uh, it's obviously a great run to, run of form to take into such a big game, but I'm um, not sure if they would have won five in a row in, in, the, in the time you've been there. It's obviously been a really successful start. What have you, you, you made of those past five wins in particular? Yeah, it has. Um, obviously, round one against Eltham was a little bit disappointing from our point of view. Um, we built ourselves up for that game and we were you know, disappointed with what we dished up on that, on that day, but since then, we've we've slowly improved every week, uh, which has you know been a real positive. Um, our form's been obviously pretty good. We've been able to win games on the weekend. It was you know it was a pretty tough encounter against Epping in in fairness. Um, they really come to play, and it was a, a real you know tough workman life effort in the end. We we had to scrap to probably get the result in the last quarter, which you know probably holds us in good stead going into this week. Sometimes you have to win those sort of games, and you know. You take that into into the next week. You know, we're hoping this week's going to be a, a fairly physical and, and tight sort of game. So hopefully, you know, the learnings from the weekend will hold us in good stead. Going throughout the, your results this year, you look at the last couple of weeks, conceded 67-62. There was a 39 back against St Mary's. And even in games against, I guess, sides also pushing for finals, Diamond Creek and, and the Fitzroy Stars, you haven't conceded that triple-digit figure. Is that something you really focus on, just shoring up that defence this year? Yeah, our, our, back, our back seven of have been really good. Um, the, the thing that we've, we've been able to do is, is probably defend the middle of the ground fairly well. So um, generally entries going inside forward 50 for the opposition haven't been to real dangerous spots, which which helps you to try and defend. So, you know, our defenders obviously have done a fantastic job up until this point. Uh, we know obviously again this week, and as I said, with the even spread that Banyol seem to have, that, you know, we're going to have to defend really well collectively, not only as a back seven, but as a, as a group as a whole. So, uh, that's been one of our focus points. You know, you think, well, our motto is if we can keep a side under, you know, 75 points, generally you're, you're in a game and you give yourself a chance to win more often than not. So that's been one of our focus points and we've been really pleased that we've been able to do that on most occasions. It's been an, an interesting year in, in second division to this point. There's been a few sides who have really battled with some injuries to key players and whatnot. I think even yourselves, obviously, you brought in at the start of the year, Kane Slater and, and, and also um, young Plant, Braden Plant from McLeod. They've only played, I think, one game each respectively. How have you gone in terms of trying to keep a balanced list? There seems to be a core group of players who have played the majority of games, but you're probably still uh, looking to bring in a few few players as we get towards the, the mid part to back end of the year. 
Yeah, we are. Um, I, I, like everybody, mate, everyone has injuries at this time of year. I think that, you know, as you just touched on, we've been relatively fortunate that the majority of our core group have been able to play a lot of footy and, and continual footy, which has been good. Uh, we haven't had to make too many changes from week to week, which, you know, obviously a settled side is always a good thing. Um, you don't have to change too much week to week when you've got the same players running around. So in regards to Slater and Plant, um, yeah, they have played one game each. So we're hoping that, you know, we can get their bodies right and, and have them ready for the for the back end of the year and they can come in and impact for us. We think they're going to be fairly important players for us. So the fact that we're, you know, in the position we are now and, and hopefully we can get those guys and add those guys in, you know, as I said, in the later part of the year, which should hold us in good stead. Um, I mentioned your back half before. Your front half, it's a, it's a, not so much a different looking side, but there's a few players who've been there previously that, that now aren't, but you seem to have a really good mix up forward. I think Anthony Capici is leading the way, but he, Rosolio, Osaduro have all kicked um, double figure, to, uh, double figure uh, goal tallies so far this year. You seem to get a, a real even spread across the, the front half of the ground. Yeah, we've been able to do that. Um, you know, we have guys that, that bob up from time to time, which is good. Um, I think probably the, the thing about us is, you know, we're not predictable. We don't go to just one forward. We don't have a heavy reliance on one forward. So, and, you know, one thing we've probably based ourselves on was, you know, through not having a, a real key target up there to kick to all the time that, you know, we can get even contribution from everybody and then obviously, you know, try and work on keeping the ball in once we get it inside if we're not taking marks. So, the guys that we've had forward or centre have, have been pretty good for us. As I said, they bob up at different times and we've, you know, a little bit like Ben Yule, I guess, we've been able to get a spread of goal kickers most weeks and, you know, get multiple guys hitting the scoreboard, which has been good for us. Uh, if you can rewind back to that round one game, obviously last year the, the club played finals in second division for the first time in, in a decade and obviously unfortunate to, to go out in the first week of finals, but obviously you set yourself for a big year and had a, a disappointing performance first up against Altham. What was, I guess, the reflection on that game and, and going forward? Obviously you've responded you know, beautifully to win your next five, but what was the, the view out of the club after that first game in losing to Altham? Yeah, yeah. as I said, we were relatively disappointed with, with the way we played in that game. We uh, look. We had enough footing. There was no doubt about that. We had, you know, pretty much as much ball. And when you look at the stats from that game, there wasn't a, a great margin in the stats. It was more our ball use that that hurt us. You know, we turned the ball over, particularly in dangerous areas. And when you're playing quality sides like Altham and obviously Banyul and these to- these sort of sides, if you turn the ball over, you know, and you give them you give them the footy, they hurt you on the rebound. And that was pretty much what happened happened in the Altham game. So that that was a focus of ours pretty much after that point to say. You know, we weren't um, we weren't that bad um, from from a point of view that um, you know the amount of footy we had. It was just the way we used the ball. So we've had a real focus on that since round one, and we've been able to implement that pretty well. So I think we're reasonably happy with with the way we've gone. And our ball use, having said that, on the weekend it probably wasn't um, as clean as what we'd like. But at the same time. Um, we're still able to get the job done. One player that's come in this year and seems to have had a, a really good impact is young Daniel Caruso from South Morang. Just what's your take on, on his first six games in the, in the colours at, uh, at Thomastown? He's a very uh, he's a very exciting prospect. He's, um, he has an ability to get to, to get to a lot of contests and and get out of traffic. So um, he's been he's been really good for us, and he just he does important things. At important times, he's just one of those sorts of players. So, uh, no, we're really happy with him. We're really happy with the way he's going. So, you know, hopefully we can continue to build on that and 
and be a real asset for us. Obviously, second on the ladder at the moment, but it's a massive month coming up. Obviously, there's the tough trip this week to, to Banyol, but then that's followed by games against Altham and Whittlesea. I'd imagine the next month really gives you an insight as to, to where you sit, but potentially you can really set your campaign up if you can get uh, two, three wins in, in the next three weeks. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, we're, we're fully aware of that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard at this point until everyone plays each other. It's hard to get a gauge on, you know, ladder positions and where everyone sits, but... You know, the thing that we're really focused on is we just control what we can control. So we know that the next, you know, the next month in particular gives us an opportunity to either, you know, really set us up and hopefully put a bit of a bit of a gap on the chasing pack. If not, obviously, we're, we're back in the mix with everybody else. And then, you know, you're trying to win enough on the way back in. So, yeah, no, we're fully aware of the next month. You know, it's the old cliche, mate, but we'll, we'll take it one week at a time. You know, we'll look at Banyul first, obviously, and then we'll go... Uh, over to Altham and then from there to Whittlesey. So we host Whittlesey. So, um, yeah, there are three massive games, you know, obviously three sides that are that are all in relatively good form. So, you know, we look forward to it, as I said at the start. You know, we're, we're here to embrace the challenge that Division 2 footy brings um, and where we sit. You know, we, we really want to make an impact on the competition and there's no better time to do that than over the next three three to four weeks. And one last one, obviously there's some, going to be some great matchups around the ground on, on Saturday this, this coming week, but the one that uh, probably starts it all off in the ruck, Dylan Chapman coming up against Tim Martin. That's obviously going to be a vital game. Two of the most dominant big men in the competition going up against one another. Yeah, it will be. Uh, it'll be pretty exciting, I think. Um, I know Dylan's looking forward to the challenge. Um, he's formed this year's been exceptional for us. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to that challenge. Hopefully he can give us first use of the ball and give our midfielders first use. We think that that's probably an area of the game that's going to go a long way to deciding um, who wins the midfield battle, to be honest. So, um, yeah, no, we're really looking forward to that. And I know Dylan's, you know, really looking forward to the challenges ahead. Well, we really appreciate your time. It's been obviously a great five weeks for the club. So congratulations on that. Obviously, some, some bigger things to come in, in weeks ahead as well. So wishing you all the best, in the, particularly starting this week in the game against Banyol. Thanks, Sam. Really appreciate it. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. And we bring things home now with a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. And Jordan, at the weekend, real statement was made by the Panton Hill Football Club. They were far too good for Heidelberg West. There was also an important win for Mernda, which kept them in touch. Kilmore is back in the top four. Southbrank had the bye. Kilmore had a big win away to Laylor. And potentially the biggest story of the round nearly came from Chris Park, where Reservoir were level with Lorimer at three-quarter time, actually had the lead in the last, and then Lorimer finished with the last five goals to win by 25 points. That would have been some story, but Reservoir, you have to give them credit. It's been a tough couple of years for them, but they took it right up to a side that was fancy to probably win that one by plenty and very nearly produced the biggest result of the entire 2019 season. Absolutely, yeah. This would have been the upset of the season and you could have absolutely signed it away and, and locked it away um, even at, uh, at this stage of the year in, in round seven as it is in uh, in Divi 3. Um, but even though they didn't get the win, it's still fantastic for the club that they are... It, it shows that they are on the right track and it can show for any team that it doesn't matter where... 
you've come from or what your story has been or how difficult things have been, things do come around eventually. It's not... And, and really, when you look at it, it hasn't been that long since I've they had that episode a couple of years ago where they didn't uh, didn't field a side. It's been what two years since they've they've come back and um, and they've already put out a performance like that. No, they didn't get the win, but they had the effort, they had the performance there. Um, so things can turn around really quickly. And I suppose um, Layla are going through that that sort of similar story as well. Um, Old Eltham Collegians being a new team, slightly different circumstances, but being a new team, finding their feet. Um, yeah, th- things can shift quickly, and I suppose Kilmore is a team that uh, a lot of a lot of those sides can take, um, and Lorimer for that instance as well. They're they're still a relatively new and team. And Hollaberg West probably the most profound one of them all. Yeah, um, you know, spent a decade languishing at the bottom, and now at the top end of the ladder. But maybe not a great week to bring that up, given no. the fact that they weren't uh, <laughs> they weren't in the hunt at all against Panton Hill. And, and that's one I, I really want to have a look at. Obviously, it's disappointing that it blew out to the margin it did. Um, it was only 13 points at quarter time, but you could just start to see some signs from Panton Hill, and they really went on with it to, to win that one by 84 points. Um, the big forwards, both in great form, Byron and Borden, combined for 13. But I guess what makes that performance even more awesome by Panton Hill is when you look at who didn't play and there was no Matty Fowler, no Joel McClellan, Sam Montanaro has been a good player in recent years, he didn't play as well and yet they've still come away with a massive, massive victory against the side that hadn't lost. I mean they're second on the ladder it's going to be, they're going to be compared to, to Lorimer all season long but at this stage of the season if if you had to hazard a guess or, or give an opinion would you say that Panton Hill would be favoured for the flag or would you say Lorimer as the undefeated side's the one at, at the top of the list oh, hard to say I haven't seen too much of Lorimer um, live um, I've seen Panton Hill at the start of the year they've got a really good team they've got a deep team and they've got those big power forwards but so do Lorimer as well they've got the, the trio up front who can score bags of goals um Look, if I was to say right now, I would probably say Lorimer, but only just. But I do really like the Panton Hill team, and, and especially the players they've been able to bring in this year. Guys like Joel McClellan, who's who's come into the side. Uh, Nathan Hendry, who's come back. He's been really good too, Hendry. Yeah, and, and they've got the they've got probably, you know, the absolute elite players of of um, of Division 3 in their team, with Mitch Anderson out, out in defence, probably the best defender going around in Divi 3, and then the partnership of, of Byron and Boyden up front, who had 13 goals combined on the weekend. Um, they, I mean, there's, just, there's power and there is game winners all across their team, Panton Hill. Yeah, it's interesting, though, for whatever reason, Lorimer matches up really well against Panton Hill. Panton Hill, I mean, look at the, the winning margins this year, and it's, it's fearsome. It, it really is. I mean, they've... Uh, the week prior against Munda, they ended up winning by 54 points, but they racked up 100 by half time. Um, Laylor, they beat by you know in excess of, of 20 goals. South Morang has been a perennial finalist. They beat by 120 odd points, and in round one beat Old Altham by 70. They're huge wins, and then in amongst it is a loss, and it's to Lorimer. It's not just the fact they lost; yeah. it's, it's who they lost to as well. Albeit 9-20 that night, as opposed to Lorimer's 11-9. So. It, it makes for an interesting one. I think those two, they showed potentially that there is a gap between them and the rest, but Heidelberg West has a chance to make amends this weekend. They actually travel out to Lorimer, so that's a big game. I think there's big games all around this week because the top four all play each other. So you've got top side Lorimer at home to third place Heidelberg West. Fourth place Kilmore is hosting Panton Hill, who uh, sits in, in second spot. And then you look at the other games, there's some really good storylines. You've got 
Reservoir, who are uh, travelling to South Morang. Now, South Morang is going to be favoured, but Reservoir would look at what Laylor nearly did last week over uh, at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. Lost that one by six points and think that they've, they've got an opportunity there. And Old Eltham Collegians and Laylor, well, between them, just the one win so far this year, they're both going to go into that game with a winning opportunity. So, round eight, heading into the Queen's birthday weekend, is, is a really good one in yeah. Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 because I think there's... In all those games, both sides would go in and say they're a winning chance. Yeah, it's like Division One this upcoming weekend. We've got teams pretty much next to each other on the on the ladder, uh, all playing each other. So there's there's plenty on the line for for pride and for position. Um, uh, Old Eltham and, and Layla is almost the game, even though we've got the all top four sides playing each other. Th- those are the marquee games. But I've also, and I think a lot of people will have an interest in Old Eltham taking on Layla because one of those two sides. We'll get another. We'll get a win. or get another win in the case of Layla. Uh, but I think just quietly and, and no bias here. But I think everyone's sort of hoping that Old Eltham can notch up their first win in uh, in their NFNL life. They have the draw from the start of the year. Um, but on the weekend, they they almost did win against Mernda. They were up at three quarter yeah, time. Well, it, and then... it's been interesting because they've had they've been winning chances in a few games so far this year without quite getting the points. They've been inaccurate in some, but. Um, obviously, is a, a strong wind at, at uh, Waterview Recreation Reserve, but up by a goal at three-quarter time in the last, didn't score, and Mernda piled on eight goals, six in that last quarter. And you have to give credit to Mernda. We haven't talked about them just yet because they've got the bye this coming weekend, but didn't have Josh Delaney and Matt Campbell, who were their two reigning best and fairest winners over the last two years. But they've got a, a few youngsters that they've really found over the last couple of years, and, and two in particular played superb games on the weekend. Dane Kellett kicked six goals, and uh, young Nick Alexovsky, he booted four. Between them, ten. They were excitement machines throughout the, the course of the weekend. Um, Brad Dimmick's been a good player coming in. They've got James DeClaw on the ruck as well, and suddenly, you know, there's there's a bit to like about them there. They they were resilient in the second half against Panton Hill, and had the, the win on the weekend from, you know, trailing at three-quarter time, and all of a sudden, well, you just don't know. They're, they're within touch still of, of the top four. I mean, their percentage is really good. That holds them in good yeah. stead. I don't think there is, they're quite up to the, the consistency levels as, as a top four, but they might just become that, that plucky side in the competition as well. Yeah, they might they might be the team who have that uh, that sort of strange fascination of just disturbing the other team's season. Even if Myrna don't make the finals themselves, they'll just want to cause havoc for those who do. Um, and yeah, the percentage is, is one that stands out a lot. 104 for a team... Uh, two and five. Yeah, two, two and five and, and well in that, that bottom half of the ladder. Um, if they can pick off a couple of those results and, and chase down South Morang, they will overrun them with that percentage. Um, and then who knows where they go from there. It, it, look, this year, I don't know... I don't want to be pessimistic, but this year might already be sort of called off for Mernda. Um, there is... The top four is really strong and, and very hard to break into for what it already is at the moment. Um, but this could be a great development year for Mernda if they don't end up breaching finals. This could be a, a really good learning curve for them, um, given they have been on the outer for, for a couple of years now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really can be. And as I said, the fact that you look at the performance on the weekend, two youngsters are their best players. You, you get something out of it, even if it means you don't play finals down the track. It was, it was an interesting round all around because there was a few sides who, who won games without really good players in their side. We talked about Mernda, Panton Hill, Kilmore went to Layla. It could have been seen as a, as a danger game, but they won that one convincingly. Jeremy Topham's been in great form. He didn't play. Marcus Webb 
push forward. He kicked six. Chris Riles been obviously their, their key recruit coming in this year. He had a great game uh, along with Lee Irons and, and Matt Swindles as well. So that was an, an important win for them. They started well, overcame a, a slight comeback from Layla in the second term and, and went on for a big win. They For mine, they just feel like they're sneaking under the guard a bit, but they've got a, a, a real... Uh, challenge ahead of them this weekend. They take on Panton Hill. They lost at Lorimer two weeks ago, where Lorimer led at every change and, and were comfortable in a victory. But this is an opportunity now for, for Kilmore as well. They're, they're at home. They take on a side that probably most are expecting to, to travel and, and get a win in Panton Hill. But this perhaps a weekend where they can make a real statement. And with we see them as a top four side. This might be the weekend they confirm that. Yeah, and a good uh, it'll be a good match for them to just gauge where they're at as well and see how close they really are to 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 the the top sides. They've but... always been hard to beat at home. I think that's the, the, the <laughs> yeah. current since they've come into the competition and it's a very different size ground as to what Panton will normally play on at, at AE Cracknell Reserve. So whether that plays a factor as well, just avoid getting blown out like Heidelberg did on yeah, the weekend. Yeah. Heidelberg West. It uh, it certainly shapes <laughs> as a big weekend. So as we say, four massive games coming up in Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three. We've also got obviously uh, a full complement of fixtures coming up this Friday in Netball. Uh, women's football continues. The three competitions have now, uh, or on the weekend that has just gone, have broken into their three divisions. So for those who are unaware, that we have the ANZ Division 1 women's, and then also we have the uh, MC Security Division 2 Mervac Division 3. So uh, looking at the weekend that just went by, Bendigo um, suffered another loss in ANZ Division 1 women's. They went down to Diamond Creek women's four goals, 14-38 to one goal straight six. Darabin returned to the winner's list. They defeated West Preston Lakeside 9-4-58 to two goals, 4-16. The VU Western Spurs overcame a comeback by Montmorency, kicking an accurate 8-1-49 to defeat the Magpies 5-6-36 at Montmorency Park, while Bandura had the bye in MC Security Division 2 women's. Darabin was too potent for Altham, winning 10-11-71 to one goal, 5-11. Heidelberg continued its great form, winning its third game of the campaign, 13-15-93, over Diamond Creek women's North 3-3. And the VU Western Spurs maintained their unbeaten start to the campaign. VU Western Spurs 2, they defeated South Morang 5-15-45 to South Morang, unable to trouble the scorers. That was a fifth straight win for the Spurs. Uh, there was a bye for St. Mary's. And then into Mervac Division 3 women's, where Montmorency fought out a, a hard-fought game against VU to win by two goals. Lorimer secured its second win by defeating Hurst Bridge 4-7-31 to 3-8-26. Lorimer kicking three unanswered goals in the last quarter to come from behind. Wallen produced a great game to defeat Reservoir 4-6-30 to 2-5-17. And Greensboro sits atop the third division ladder. They had a 4-11-35 to one goal, 2-8 victory away to Myrna. So that was a wrap from the three senior women's competitions. Massive weekend coming up, obviously leading into the Queen's birthday weekend. Anything in particular that's Get, uh, you're looking forward to this coming weekend? I'm looking Jordan. forward to the whole lot, Samuel, because there's games all around. I'm, we're going to be calling on the weekend, but I think there's going to be eyes glued um, to your laptop with the Around the Ground scores because there's a whole host of fixtures uh, in Division 1, pretty much every game in Division 1, a couple of games in Divi 2, and, and again in Division 3, the, to- the four top four sides play against each other, a couple in the bottom half as well. Out of all of those games, Samuel, which one will be broadcasting? 
will be at Banyul to broadcast Banyul versus Thomas Town. We could have uh, picked probably six or seven to call from this, this weekend. Obviously, it's great that this top of the table clashes right across the board or, or top three clashes right through. So, uh, unfortunately, the weather doesn't look too great. So, hopefully, it doesn't have too much an, of an impact on all those games. But, uh, yeah, it, it is a massive weekend, as always. Get to the NFL website to see all of those, uh, all of the fixtures and, and, and times and, and whatnot. Before we close, we also should say a massive congratulations to a former Northern Football Netball League person, Reece Shaw, who's taking mm. the coaching reins at North Melbourne following the resignation of Brad Scott. So the second uh, current, currently serving coach to, to come from our league, Adam Simpson, at the West Coast Premiership coach and an Altham man. So oh, uh, we're uh, taking over slowly but surely. <laughs> so uh, wishing Reece all the best in his, uh, his move into the coaching box. Obviously, he's the interim coach, but... Uh, Hopefully, there's a, a distinguished coaching career down the track for him. Was it as recently as two years ago he was playing for Hurstbridge? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, played yeah. a couple of games there with uh, his cousin Braden as well. Obviously, be interesting at the AFL. He'll be coaching against his brother in a few weeks' time. Heath, obviously, um, yeah. at the GWS Giants. So, nice to see even more Northern Football Netball League flavour. And also, a massive congratulations to the Northern Knights, who won the NAB League Girls uh, Premiership on the weekend. They had a, a great win over the Calder Cannons as well. Great NFNL flavour in that team as well. 11 players from our league uh, part of that team as well. So congratulations to them. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. Of course, uh, you can get all the latest uh, updates from the Northern Footy Netball League at nfnl.org.au. As we always say, um, you can hear this podcast directly on the NFNL website, but also subscribe via iTunes or the podcast app on your iPhone or smartphone device. Thank you for joining us. Jordan, great to have you back and look forward to calling with you on Saturday. Absolutely. Should be great. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back again next week.